that corner <laughs> when I'm not presenting. Listening in. And listen in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bash University Live here on Tuesday night. Take a quick break. Watch John Cruz's on the Tokyo rig. Be a part of the show. Get some chances to win some awesome prizes. Bash, you go. You know, we didn't have that back then. And, 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 dude, it, it can just... That text thread gives me so much energy. I mean, like, I'm dialing. It's good to be back in the studio. Uh, we fresh back from the classic. Uh, it was awesome to see everybody there. And we brought with us tonight Hank Cherry, the classic champ. He's going to be zooming in, talking to us, and talking to you guys. Going to be available for all your questions uh, about how he won this classic. Two in a row. Amazing accomplishment. So few people have won two classics. Back-to-back uh, -back classics, that's a can-do question. I don't know how many have done that, but not very many at all. And he's going to be with us here shortly. So we got a great Bash U live tonight, guys. So come by or check it out. Get your questions ready. If you're a subscriber to Bash U TV, uh, we'll use you on your IM, one of your IM questions. We're going to give you some great stuff and hook you up. we got a lot of great giveaways tonight uh, on Bash University Live as usual. And we have the uh, Red, White, and BU promotion going on tonight where if you subscribe now, we're going to hook you up uh, annually. Uh, you get one of the Bash U hats or we give you uh, a great 50 days trial. So that's the Red, White, and BU celebrate 4th of July holiday, which is right around the corner. So that's happening right now. Uh, Want to thank all the, the companies that we work with. Uh, we had a great time talking to Humminbird down at the Classic. Uh, great products. Look for Mega Live. It's out. It's, uh, it's going to be available real soon, and we're excited to be talking about those guys. Empire Covers. If you have something that needs covering, I don't care if it's an ATV, a boat, a camper, uh, you name it, anything you're keeping outdoors, Empire Covers make outstanding covers, and it's built for your product. 15% off if you're a subscriber to Bash University TV. So make sure you guys check out Empire Covers. We've got over 800 instructional seminars at Bash University TV and, uh, and grow. We're going to push 900 seminars here real soon, and we've got a lot of other great stuff coming up. I want to introduce our boys we got btc and riz in the house it's good to be back in the studio guys yeah it's uh it's great to be back <laughs> great to be back on bash university live talking to all our people here i'm already chatting it up pete with some of the guys we met down at the classic it nice. was so great to meet some of our subscribers, the Bash University TV family. It's one of the greatest parts about being back to doing these things is just getting out and talking to people yes. that, you know what, that we haven't talked to in a couple of years. I had a great time down there, and it's even better to be back in studio talking to the Bassmaster Classic champ for the second year in a row. Second year Ooh. in a row. Hey, amazing. Uh, my, we just come off Father's Day. One of my favorite Father's Day stories at the Classic is Father's coming up saying how they're using Bass University TV to help them 
learn about bass fishing so that they can teach their son who's now into bass fishing. So, so awesome uh, to see that going on down at the Classic. And we've got, uh, it was great, great meeting all you guys and seeing all you guys again down in Texas, uh, which a lot of our subscribers are from down there. But we've got a ton of stuff going on tonight. We've got Lake and Share. What, what do we have going on tonight, Riz? Yeah, so as always, Pete, tonight we have a, uh, a grand prize going out and a Facebook Like and Share and also two Gills Gear gift cards are going to be going out the door as well. Uh, tonight's grand prize is brought to you by TH Marine, and tonight's Facebook like and share is brought to you by Flambo Outdoors. TH Marine, we're going to be heading out some some G-Force Cull Tags, G-Juice, Troll Jackets, and then the Flambos, the Load Your Boat Package. It's going to be a bunch of tackle box, a few baits mixed in there, get you set up to get out there on the water. Um, and like I said, two Gills Gear gift cards are going to go out as well to our subscribers that ask questions during the show. They're $25 Gills Gear gift cards. And guys, if you haven't checked out Gills Gear yet, you need to head over there. Their performance line of technical fishing clothing, it's guaranteed to keep you water on the uh, keep you cool while you're out on the water. And also, it looks pretty good, too. Guys. <laughs> guys. Lo love the Gills Gear. Uh, we're all wearing Gills gear tonight, as usual, on Bass University. And uh, subscribers, so many benefits. Uh, we've got 40% off Rapala, Storm, VMC. We've got 30% off Missile Baits. We've got so many great discounts for all of you guys that are subscribers to Bass UTV, including 25% off Gills gear, 15% off Sea Clear Power, which is an amazing harness that, that – uh, you use in your boat, it makes all your sonar work better, draw less power, uh, just tremendous product that uh, that you need to check out, 15% off that. Super power. And uh, TH Marine, we have $10 off for any purchases over $50. 10% off MikeIconelli.com, 15% off Warrior Rods. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of all the uh, members' benefits over at Bash University. So we are um, – we're going to take a quick break. Yes. If you break. haven't subscribed, now's the time. Get over. Take advantage of the red, white, and BU offer. Get yourself hooked up with one of our cool new hats and uh, get get yourself on the IM board and talk to us. We got Hank Cherry. That's right. He's going to be coming live in just a few minutes. So Two minutes, eight seconds. <laughs> we will be right back after this short break. Go get subscribed. We'll be back with Bash University Live. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That they're made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod. 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out during a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod i found that can withstand my hook set. Boom, goes the dynamite. <laughs> Some would say obsessed. There's no place on earth we'd rather be than right here, right now. Performance-driven gear, so you can fish longer, harder, 
Gills Performance Fishing. Guys, 2021 Redcrest Champion Dustin Connell here. And if you watch live coverage, we just got done at Lake Eufaula. I caught my fish using the active target with Lowrance. What you didn't see is I run a sea clear power harness in my boat. One of the main advantages to running this harness is it does not drain my batteries down at all running my four units. And what that's gonna allow me to do is I'm able to see my bait at 8 a.m. just as good late in the day. Y'all check them out at seaclearpower.com. You take pride in your boat, so it deserves the best protection possible. Our durable woven fabric prevents ripping and provides UV protection. And our tape seams provide protection against the elements. The heavy-duty shock cord hem and strap and buckle system provide a tight and secure fit. Our top-of-the-line boat covers come with a ventilation system to keep your boat free from mold buildup. Empire Covers, protecting what you love. Just we pray. Pete, that's you on the picture. That's <laughs> hey, you. welcome back to uh, Bash University Live, everybody. <laughs> it is Tuesday night, and uh, we're super excited. We've got the, the the biggest man in fishing right now is going to be our guest. The biggest and, man. And, and you're going to all going <laughs> to be able to ask questions, and we're going to be talking about uh, how he won the classic, the mental side, the the side that uh, the X's and O's, so many interesting things, but uh, very interesting how he did it again. He did it again using a jerk bait, and it was spectacular um, how he's how he's using that to win classics. That the first one he won in the early season, won this one in basically the summertime down in Texas using a jerk bait. When uh, that's that's not supposed to be the winner, uh, the winning technique, but he's proven us wrong, and um, and I'm. I'm just listened to his Bash University seminar um, about how to how he how Hank adjusts and uses a jerk bait in all seasons. It's called Jerk Bait Flow, and it is a brand new seminar on Bash University TV released uh, just a, a little a, a few months ago over there at Bashu.tv. If you ha if you haven't seen it, guys, you got to go check it out because it'll change the way you think about fishing this bait, the seasons you fish it, and the type of habitat that you fish this style of bait in. So um, you want to go back and, and check that out. Yeah. BTC. Jerkbait flow. Jerkbait flow. Well, speaking of jerkbait flow, we got we got the champ on. Whenever you're ready, Pete. We, I, I'm looking for, for him. For your grandiose I'm, introduction. I'm looking for him on my board, and I don't see him on my uh -oh, board. He's there. Oh, I see him there now. Yeah. It's a, He's a little bit small over there, but uh, uh, we've got a little new, some new products here in the studio I'm just getting used to. But I see larger than life. The champ, the two-time champ, uh, Bassmaster Classic champ, Hank Cherry in the house. Woo, Man, woo, woo, woo. Great to have you with us yes. tonight, buddy. Good to be here, guys. Good to be here. My voice sounds a little rough, so just uh, bear with me. Oh, man. Well, too much celebrating, Hank? No. <laughs> no, too much talking. I'm not a big <laughs> talker, and I've done a lot of talking the last week. This is his 87th podcast. In the last three days, 87. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and uh, and visit with Bash U. I was just commenting about um, your uh, your jerkbait flow seminar that you did with us earlier this year. It's uh, just, uh, just an exceptional eye-opening seminar about how to fish that technique that so many people think is, is just for the springtime. Well, I mean uh... – 
you know, it's it's not a it's not a one fix for everything, but it's definitely got its place in a, a lot more situations than people give it credit for. No question about it. You uh, you won twice at the classic with it, and uh, I have a, a new friend visiting with me. How are you, man? Congratulations. Congrats, Hank. Thanks, Ike. I appreciate it, man. It was awesome. It was awesome to watch it. Uh, I can tell you I was on the edge of my seat, mm. Pete, for three days. Yes. Yeah. Pretty pretty awesome. I like those. I know you don't like it, Hank, but I like those events that are close mm. where you're sweating. You know, as, <laughs> as a fan, as a spectator, they were good ones. They were good ones. I, I know I jumped in here. And and I'm very unprepared. I don't have notes. But I, I want to get – can I get to something with Hank right off the giddy? Dude, the floor is yours. All right, you Hank, I know you've talked oh, about this a little bit, but i got to flush this out with you because I have had a lot of people in the last week say, God, I didn't know Hank was that good. I didn't know he was that good. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, dude, dude, catch him, you know? Why is he so good at the classic? Why is he so good at those big events? And I and and I have a theory, but I I want to hear your take on it. I had heard somewhere in the coverage, one of the days I was watching it, where on the official practice day that you went out, you looked around, you saw what you liked, and you kind of said, "That's cool." And you got off the water late, maybe I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, and you were back at the pool. By noon. <laughs> Come on. First of all, is that true? And then tell me about your mindset that that last practice day. Well, that the leaving early happened. Um, I just knew I didn't really even want to go that day. I knew how I wanted things to go in my head. I knew what I'd seen, and I was prepared. Yeah. So I went out with Robbie Floyd that morning, just checked a couple of things, and it was still going on. <clears throat> so I got back early. I didn't get back early to go to the pool. I went to go visit my wife and kids who were at the pool okay. to tell them I was back. <laughs> gotcha. I used that time. <clears throat> I used that time to go to sleep because you know as well as I do that week sleep is very important because you don't get a whole lot and you're pulled yeah. ten thousand different directions. And I just knew that with that traffic we were gonna have to drive back and forth in, which is just as strenuous as the fishing. Um I needed that extra sleep, and it, 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 I'm glad I got it. I really yeah. am because I think it helped out. Yeah. Well, no. See, that's the answer I was looking for. I wanted to confirm that, and that there lies, Pete, the reason I think. You know, again, this is my opinion, Hank. I don't know if this is true or not. This is the reason I think you're so successful in big events, uh, championship events like the Classic, because that's a that's a tough uh, mindset to have. For me, I can tell you, for 30 years that I did it, I, I wanted every minute of practice. I wanted to find an A, a B, a C. I always doubted myself. I said, if the pattern falls apart, it's probably going to. I want a B, I want a C, I want a D. And the mindset of having something and believing in it 100%. Obviously, you had a couple patterns, but, man, you had a lot of confidence, the utmost confidence in believing that what you were going to do was going to work. It was the winning thing, and it was. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do. That's a, that's a winning mindset, Pete. Yeah, well, then valuing sleep and rest as a weapon, yeah. like to, to, to be able to help you compete, that's, you know, that, that's, a, that's, a huge, uh, that's a huge 
thing that you did there, you know, recognizing that, Hank. Yeah, and I remember, Hank, I remember when we were fishing together, I, I've seen you do that on uh, regular elite events as well. You know, I remember, mm-hmm. I remember passing a boat ramp, you know, and seeing you get off the water, you know, and it was like 2 o'clock, and I'm like, and, and the last practice day, and I'm like, God damn it, he figured something out again. You know, <laughs> like that confidence just oozes from you. But I think a lot of people watching and listening tonight, l- listen, uh, you know, talk, talk about that a little, Hank, because that mindset is a winning mindset, in my opinion. And have you always wow. had that, or is that something you've, you've adopted as your careers went on? That's something that I've just developed throughout the years because I'm one of those guys after, I would say, a good practice day, seven hours, I've taken in as much as I can take in. And I don't want to spend any time out there just going through the motion. Because so, I might skip over something I'm not paying attention to. Right. And I feel like that I process a lot in a short amount of time to develop a game plan. I'm not one of those guys that likes to check each end of the lake, this, that, and the other. I like to find a spot and kind of expand from there instead of having 10,000 places to run. But that just works for me. And I've told people that everybody's got their own thing. Like Brock Mosley likes to be out there from the time the sun comes up until it goes down yeah i can't function that way right and i'm just to the point in my career where um i need my rest yeah you know it's it's strenuous there's a lot of things going through your mind a lot of other responsibilities besides the fishing and the better rest that i am the better i perform in the water let me let me ask you this hank because i noticed this with myself i solve a lot of those fishing problems when i'm off the water I don't know if that if that works with you. Like when when I'm on the water, I'm focused on you know trying to decipher what's in front of me, and I'm I'm obsessed with. But then when I'm when I'm off the water, I'm able to process what I saw that day, and and I can think of things that I might not ever think of if I'm actively mm-hmm. out there practicing. Good point. Does does Good that point. happen with you? It does, especially. If, it, if I've been back a while and it's in the evening, I want to check my batteries, I'll click on my units and I zoom out and I look at my waypoints and I've got a pretty good memory and I can go through every waypoint and tell you what that fish bit, what it was sitting on, what that fish bit, what it was sitting on. And when I talk that through my head, I develop a game plan without even really knowing that's what I'm doing. And then that's just same. that's the same way I ended up starting where I started. I just went off the hunch because it just seemed to be overlooked very short run great looking spot shad present the bites i had there were big had not been there in the morning time yet but just knew that they lived there and it was just and it just rolled from there to me i'm one of those guys if i don't have to catch a bunch of fish to start the day off but if you give me one or two then i can get it rolling pretty quick Mm. well and i saw you do that right you started out of the gate strong on on classic day but the when did you find that at practice? Was that your last day of practice when you when you located <clears throat> that, or was it early, early in practice? No, that that particular point, um, I think I found it midday the first day, and just kind of thought 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 about it because of the wind and the scenario that it just happened to be happenstance. But Mike, actually, from listening to him, I learned you know one time could be an accident, two times or something to it. Yeah, And then as I went on down, as I thought about it and I zoomed out and looked and I saw actually how many bites that I had in that area. And I'm like, this is their key spot. If anything's left coming in, anything's going out, they're going to stop here before they venture out or in. And it just happened to be a great place. Yeah, man. It was a heck of a start. 
Heck of a start. And I'll tell you, the thing that surprised me, and again, this is a, as a casual fan watching it, was how strong the Shad Spawn was that late in the year for that part of the country. Mm. That's what I kept thinking. You know what it I mean? No like, uh, it's, it's crazy, Hank, because, like, uh, you know, if, this, if the Classic was in Virginia, you know, or, or a different part of the country where, where that water temperature was still what, what I always considered a Shad Spawn temperature. But I looked at that tournament coming in. That didn't even cross my mind, right? I, I knew the flipping bite was going to be good. I knew some guys were going to catch them all short. But I'm like, the Shad Spawn did not even freaking cross my mind. Mm -hmm. what, why? Tell me why, why was the Shad Spawn going on, Hank? Well, you know, we not only we had a Shad Spawn. Well, to go all the way through this, you had pre-spawn fish, fish on the bed, Shad Spawn, Mayfly Hatch, and post-spawn fish all at one time in wow. Texas in the South. The only thing I can think is the uh, that freeze they had set everything back. Mm. And the reason I know that the surface temperature was a little misleading was I pulled up to the ramp one day and there was a guy with his daughter there and they were having trouble loading their boat, that engine problem. So she's on the back of this boat on the end of the ramp and I'm thinking it's going to bust her in the chin any second and we're going to have big problems. So I said, y'all need some help? And I said, yeah. So I put my poles down, got out in the water and was helping to put this boat on the trailer so we could get it on because it was getting kind of rough. Yeah. You know, and when I got three foot deep, I know why those shad were spawning. There you it go. Was cold. Yeah. But um, I've never seen that happen. I've never had that that whole thing happen at one time ever in my life. And you didn't expect it there. But what was crazy is when we got there, the water was hovering around. Well, that first one was 69.8 to 71 degrees. But by the time we left, especially that spot out there by the dam, it was reading 88 degrees. Whew. Wow. Wow. And the heat that, was just crazy. That, to me, right there, you know, it, it happened sort of accidentally at the boat ramp, but that's a, that's a golden nugget right there. Mm. Rizzo, mark this off. That's a nugget because that surface temp is very misleading yeah, yeah. at times, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you're getting a register of, where where that sensor's at on your transducer, a foot, right? Right, a foot yeah. And a half below the surface. Right, which is which is shallow, and mm -hmm. then you talk about a lake that has 20, 30, 40, 50 mm -hmm. feet of water in it, and you know, it's a whole different environment down there yeah. sometimes. You it's know? like we, Mike, we were just talking about it a little bit today, about how certain parts of certain lakes, you know, they're going to spawn first, and right. you know where it's wider and deeper, yeah. it could still be could right. still be going on. Yeah. I couldn't believe it when Hank was talking about it in, on the show. You're like pre-spawn bass, and I'm like, no, he can't be right about that. <laughs> 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 they can't be pre-spawn yeah, bass. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, it was crazy. What, were, were they just full bellies? You, I mean, you caught them full of eggs? You could. Just oh, when you caught – I caught an eight-pounder off the dam one day in practice on a jerk bait, and when I hit it, it was like I hit a tire. And about five seconds later, it tried to come up like a shark in breach and just got its head out of the water. I said, God, it's a weird looking fish. When I got it up there and I grabbed it, and I brought it up. It was just like wow. perfect tail, big gut, never been close to the bed, never been close to spawning. That one I caught, the first fish I caught on the third day had never been to the bed yet. Just fat busting. Wow. It was just, it, it was just really weird that um, all that was going on at one time. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, Hank, real quick, for our viewers and listeners watching right now, not all of them are super hardcore fish heads. Some of them are just getting into it. Some of them are avid. Describe some of the ways you know a shad spawn is going on. Give give our viewers and listeners <clears throat> some, some examples of how you know a shad spawn's happening. 
um, you can visually see them. You know, and one thing that gives it away when you see the birds lined up and down a tree line or yeah. a bank line and they're all pecking, it looks like rain. And that's one way you can physically see them when you've been around it enough. And I'm sure you know this, you can smell them. Yeah. But you know they're there. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about where I was fishing was they were on on that point. It was bigger shad and they actually left a slick. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can see that slick coming off through there. But that's the three main ways I know. But in, and they'll spawn around anything hard, trees, they'll go to the grass, the rocks on the dam, even floating debris sometimes that's going on real hard. You know, they're sitting there going around it. But uh, the birds really gave the most active places away because you'd have those the gray ones, but then you'd have those white ones mixed in and they'd just be lined up up and down the bank. But it did not last very long you had about an right. hour to hour and a half of it every day yep short short window very typical pete of yeah. a shad spawn i i want to throw a little nugget out there too and and pete we've talked about this before years ago and we traveled together you know those birds whether you're talking about those white like egrets or you're talking about those gray whatever they are they mm -hmm. hate to be near each other they can't yep. stand it right they they hate to compete with each other so when you do see them side by side yeah. by side by side you know shit's gone down, bro. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot of food. It's oh, a yeah. lot of food because they don't like to compete. And and when they're mm -hmm. when they're elbow to elbow, yep. it's going down. It's going mm -hmm. down. Yep. Well, Hank, I we're talking about a shad spawn, and I noticed what, watching you, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, uh, you know, a white swim jig, a spinner bait, uh, you know, buzz a bait, yeah, white buzz bait, a, a shad pattern. You're flipping a a, a green pumpkin. Uh, jig in into this and and catching those fish around the shad spawn that yeah. that struck me as well, explain that like that that was a great solution uh why why'd you do that one of the things was i figured out in practice i think all this had been going on for an extended period of time they were used to the white swim jig and the spinner baits and plus you had a lot of big white bass that would come in there with them and if you threw that kind of stuff you would draw those strikes and they would be course more aggressive than the rest and then i'll and i noticed um i caught a fish one morning flipping him on the pit boss and when i caught him because you got to check him because i don't know what's around there when he jumped two bluegill came out of his mouth one actually wow. still swam off and then i was like wow. then i was like well they're up here too because it, it in my head i'm thinking maybe we got bluegill spawning in the base of these trees too. You know, you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know yeah. what's here. I've never seen the lake before. I'm just going off. And I said, well, if the shad spawns going on, all the other competitors that I saw fishing were throwing shad style baits. So I'm thinking, let's just go against the grain. Yeah. See what happens. The jig catches big fish and it just, you know, just escalated from there. Yeah. That was neat. I was, uh, you didn't throw a jerk bait up in those bushes. That no, that would have been I, a tricky I, I, operation. That would have been very hard. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I can't cast quite that well yet. <laughs> Talk to me about this this uh, shooter uh, jig because you. I I was watching you explain. It's it's got a unique um, weed guard, like a tungsten weed guard. You were. I heard you comment like it helps keep <clears throat> the hook or the hook pinned. Uh, describe that to me. It's got a titanium weed guard and they go, they go around the hook. So the hook's cutting here. So when you drive the hook through the fish and it's got a zero degree line tie, so it just goes in stuff and out of stuff pretty easily. But when you stick those fish, the hook comes through and those, the barb kind of pushes down 
I mean, that hook goes through. They're strong. They're not like bristles, so they're back up against the fish. So it almost acts like a keeper once you got them hooked. Um, like once you drive that hook through there, he's in there. And um, you know, it's just it's a it's just a real neat deal they came up with over Picasso, and it goes through grass good. Like this, it's that same jig. If I wanted to just start throwing a swim jig, I could take the same jig and just start swimming it. It's it's just an all purpose thing, and it's that's it's caught me a lot of fish. Yeah, yeah the, that that is interesting because often the the jigs because it looks like a great grass jig because of the zero degree line tie, uh, and often the, the the grass jigs, man, they get hung up in the wood really bad but that you didn't that's not a problem with this jig no I didn't, I didn't have any issues with it and that's the way they planned on like at home i just played around with it a lot throwing lay downs watch how it comes over and i think sometimes um that traditional style where it's kind of got that offset it just they tend to roll a lot more whereas i can yo-yo this over the bushes and it's not falling left or right gotcha well the jig was was awesome and watch you know getting them but the big i kind of want i want to get back to the riprap but i want to save that because that was interesting so unique to me but the thing i want to talk about now because we're talking about flipping in these areas you made a, a monster adjustment on on day three when it got tough uh you downsized yeah. take us through your mindset did you did you downsize <clears throat> like before you started fishing did that occur to you as the Day three was developing. Yeah, that How, how'd that go? By the way, that was a winning that was a winning adjustment. Like when yeah. I when I watched it, there were a few really key moments that stood mm. out, and that that was one of them. Uh, I, I think the rip rap was another one. We'll talk about that in a second. But that adjustment was really really key. Flush that out with well, us, Hank. I had I had rigged up that rod just in case, <clears throat> um, because pressure and big line and braid, you make a lot of noise, and you know you're still fishing around a, on a lake that's got great quality. The quantity is just not there. There just didn't seem like there's a lot of men there. And yeah. when you have extra thousands of acres because it's flooded, it's harder to get to. <clears throat> so I broke off and it, it just dawned on me. I was like, you rigged that rod up. You put that little quarter ounce. Let's just see. We'll just, and to me, it was just, Hey, let's just change gears. We'll do yeah. the same thing, different style and see what happens. And you know, I'm going through and I'm pitching it. And what it made me do that day was with that smaller, smaller line, that smaller weight, I had to start paying more attention to how I put it through there because I couldn't rely on the weight of the bait to take it through the bush or through the tree. So, and then in a sense, it kind of re-triggered me and zoomed me back in focus wise. Um, and when I caught that big one on it, I mean, I'm telling you, that's the dumbest fish in the lake. It just is. He's not supposed to, because the bait, you really can't pay attention, but the bait kind of hits the limb, kicks right, and he swims out of the bush to come eat it, goes back to the bush. I just kind of half set the hook on him, and then he decides to swim out of the bush again and come to the boat, not his boat flipping him. So, um, it's meant to be, it's you know, that, to be. that was kind of a, that was, but that set a thing off in my head that, okay, that's three. Um, there's got to be some more fish in this area. I mean, this area has gotten as far. There's more here, yeah. you know, then I turn around and I, I pitch right back to the trees that I had just fished and broke through to get to that bush and it hits the bottom and I pick up on it. And boom. Number four has got it. So I'm thinking in my head, okay, it's a tough day, but we figure something out. So we need one more bite. I go back over to that point where I started every day. And I was like, they haven't seen this. And I was like, I know there's got to be one more there. 
and I don't even get the next flip out of my hand and it never hits the bottom and boom. And, um, but to me, I, to me changing up in a sense, I was doing the same thing, but in my head, I was doing something different. And that's just worked for me. Um, that's worked for me in lots of places that I've just traveled around. And I think really that experience comes from like fishing places like Santee when they get pressured around the cypress trees and you can be throwing the same bait on 17 pound line and you switch to a spinning rod with light braid, you know, a six inch worm to the same spot and a 10 pounder grabs it. Sometimes I think we just, you got to just switch gear sometimes. Yeah to make the train go yeah it's, yep. it's hard to do it when you're hard to do you're it. in the classic and you're catching winning fish with that jig yeah because you've had a rhythm yep. right yeah. you've had a rhythm established you've had two good days it's hard to make that change yep. midway but it is a is another great example of how finesse getting finesse can can solve the problem right and that was like i i consider that like power finesse fishing but mm -hmm. it's still finesse fishing absolutely you know? lighter line smaller mm -hmm. bait um, so finesse wins again. <laughs> Woo! Victory yeah, yeah, for finesse. Yeah. You you've done that a few times, Mike. But Do Don Avino is is <laughs> rolling around right now, scratching his ass. Yeah, he's excited. <laughs> One of the things that, that I haven't seen you talk about um, is I know you caught some chatterbait fish too, some vibrating jig fish. They, yeah. You just seem to mix that in. When when how how did that work out? Um, it that. That was really going to work with the wind blowing. Um, and, you know, the first morning of the tournament, it was basically the first cast at the first tree. After I, I never make the first cast where I think I'm going to catch one that I really didn't make my cast. And I basically hit the tree, clicked over, five pounder. That was the first morning, first cast. I was like, okay, this is going to be a pretty good day. <laughs> um, but the problem with it, no matter what brand I tried, uh, it was hard to get it clean through a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And here's the deal. Like I, I like, I like the Picasso shock blade, but it stays down in the water column, no matter how hard you pull it. So it's better coming through like uh millful and hydrilla because it cuts it up. Then you have like the jackhammer, which is a good bait. Everybody throws it, but if you reel it fast, it rises. So it's hard to keep it around the base of the trees, but yet you can get it to come up over stuff. Then you have the, the regular chatter bait, which kind of got the same tendency. So, I had three or four of them laid out and everybody was like, you catch them on that one. You I was like, it just depends on what I'm throwing it by as to which one I'm going to catch it on. But I, I've learned that with fishing those style baits that they're not built the same. They're yeah. all different. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's three or four of them that are out there that are really good, but they have their place in time, but I would just sneak that in and just keep them honest, you know? And like I said, again, it was just a different way for the same presentation for me. Yeah, that, that makes that, any sense. That sounds like a, a future BU seminar right there, Pete. Uh, flushing out a chatterbait because a chatterbait's not just a chatterbait; it's a broader spectrum. Boy, that's that's a mouthful. That's and, a mouthful. Yeah, and there, there's weedless modifications it's and all kinds of things. All kinds of stuff. Uh, Hank, I got to ask that. We've asked a lot of people in the last year or two the same question: Do you ever fish a tournament nowadays and not have a chatterbait tied on? No, it's on 24-7. It's, I fished, me and my son fished last night. Um, we fished in a little night tournament because he was wanting to go fishing so bad. We actually tied for first. We had a good time. He kept all the money, didn't give me any. But, um, <laughs> it's it's kind of it's funny because he's been around me so much and we've done it so much. We both had, well, he had four rods because he always takes four because he likes to blow a couple of them up. 
But we have shock blade, shock blade, jig, jig. And like he just knows it's one of the best nighttime baits ever yeah. made. They yeah. crush that thing night yeah. around riprap. Yep. So, yep. but no, that, there's never going to be a time. There's never, I can't imagine the time that I'm not going to have that bait tied yeah. on. Yeah. And yeah. it won, and it just won, uh, you know, a uh, major league fishing tournament on the Potomac River, uh, yeah. just just this past weekend. It's two back to back wins. Uh, it was involved in it anyway, but uh, major league fishing. Yeah, yeah, on, on the Potomac River. What oh. is it? MLFLW. Oh, FLW. <laughs> did you notice that color on that chatterbait? Yeah, I did notice. That. I did oh. notice a oh, red. Huh. That much. That much I noticed. Huh. But maybe. But we're, Hank, I I want to go to the riprap because I I'm there's so many interesting th- you, now you've done this twice we watched you win a fishing riprap in February I think it was at Gunnersville and now here it is June uh, you find another stretch of riprap yeah uh, it what 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 was going on there was was that a pre spawn post spawn situation. Or was that, that was, a shad spawn situation? What was happening well, on that the riprap? Was that the main dam, Hank? That was the yep. main dam itself. And yep. you said, Hank, you said something early on uh, here that really clicked with me. You said it's a place that it, I think you said they have to stop there, or it's somewhere where they they have to be if they're coming or going. Is that something? Do you is that something you kind of always look for in every tournament, like like areas where you feel like they're going to have to be or have to stop That's when? Fun. I just, I just feel like on any system, there's always places that are going to have fish. Now, it might not be the right spot, but I've always said if I'm fishing in a tournament, I don't have to be in the right spot if they're only seeing my bait because I've only got to catch five. So I try to look for something that's not quite as obvious, but that it's going to be a high 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 spot. So if I pull up, and I, I know in my head, hey, they live here. I'm going to catch them. Like the, the dam at Ray Roberts was just – you would say it was overshadowed by the bushes. Nobody paid attention to it. Yeah. The shad were spawning out there, but I don't think that's the reason the fish were out there. I think they were still out there because it was still cold in their mind. It wasn't time for them to go. And they were just kind of roaming up and down that dam, eating those big gizzard shad. That dwindled away as the tournament went on, but had it, there were some ginormous bass out there. I mean, I've got pictures of them on my phone. They were big. Um, but, but myself just knowing, hey, they're out here. Nobody else is messing with them. And I made sure every time I was around the air riding in practice, I was looking, hey, do you see another boat? I didn't see any boats. And I knew with as big and as long as that place was that I could get a few fish off of it every day if I needed them. Yeah. And you did it. You, you, uh, I mean, they weren't the big ones. It didn't seem like, I don't, I don't remember seeing you catching one of the giants. They were coming off the trees and the bushes, mm-hmm. but man, those were some important fish caught off of that riprap. Yeah. Yeah, I caught a, I caught a couple, uh, like three and a quarter, three and a half pounders, a couple 17-inch spotted bass that were just total surprises. But, I mean, um, every one of them would count. And I just, you know, you get to that point where after the first day, I was in third. And I was all right, this is a pretty cool position to be in. I'm not the one that's being hunted here. I get to hunt. And then when I come back in the second day and I'm back in the lead, Instead of worrying about, oh, God, I got to catch them tomorrow, first thought that came to my hand is, they got to catch me. Mm. And I think that's just the mentality adjustment from losing the fish to 2013 to where I'm at now and what I accomplished last year and this year. It's just uh, I've just kind of learned to fish with that no fear mentality. Yeah. 
Yep. It's fun to watch. I can tell you that. I, I could see it watching watching it the whole tournament. Uh, I want to. Uh, we're going to go to Riz here for I am questions. Before I do that, though, I, I want to talk a little more about that jerk bait uh, because I I I watched you uh, fish that bait, and I want you to talk about two things. One is I I want you to get specific, and you've done this for us before, but we've got a lot of people watching tonight that want to know about the classic and how you figured that cadence out, right? The rhythm, and and we've heard you talk about it before with us at BU. How important the cadence is, right? Finding the correct cadence. I want you to talk about that. But then I want you to also talk about finding the perfect float or sink or suspend rate on that bait. Because at one point, I was, I can't remember, I think it was the last day, I don't remember. I was watching you live and, and you didn't like the way the bait was falling. You thought it was falling too fast because I think you had hit a rock and, mm -hmm. and you might have, you, you know, you might have damaged the bait or whatever. But, but like, I think 90% of fishermen wouldn't notice that you know what i mean yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't pick up on that but you you looked at it and you're like oh no 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 it's falling a little too fast and you took this is the classic you took time to retie get a new bait and you looked at it in the water and you go oh yeah that's right that's the right fall so talk about the cadence how you found it what the right cadence was and then talk about that that fall or float or suspend rate that you're looking for Okay, well, well, the bait is the Berkeley Stunner. It's the bait yeah. that I came up with, Dan Spangler. It's an awesome new bait. It's coming out real soon. Um, the color was still shad, and the marketplace, I guess if you had to compare it to something, it would be a uh, chartreuse shad. Yeah. Um, so the cadence, I'm thinking in my head, all right, the water's warming. They're not staying around forever, and these fish are not sitting out here suspended. They're eating bait. So I wanted a cadence where – kind of had that don't crack the gas don't crack the gas mentality where i would just rip rip real rip rip real rip rip real i didn't want them to have a long time to look at it because in my mind if they're out there and i got it in front of them they were going to bite it right <clears throat> um i noticed real fast the slower my cadence and i tried it throughout the tournament slowing it down and i catch drum or i catch catfish mm. but but that also too is something in my head i'm thinking okay if they're out here the food's out here i'm where i'm, I'm where i'm supposed to be yeah. these are all predators so that's how I came up with, with that cadence. And I got so much confidence in it after I caught those few big ones in turn in practice. I was like, this is the way to go. Now I would alternate and throw a third one in there and maybe pause a little bit, depending on how far I threw off the riprap. But I just had it in my head and I've done it so many times. We had a we had a TTBC, whatever it was, a few years ago at Rayburn, and I caught them on that same cadence over top of the grass, just rip, 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 rip. Um, that's just something that's always been effective for me in the warmer months. The the less they can look at it and just seeing it come by, I think they just reach out there and grab it. Yeah. Um, but now the sink rate, like I'm not a guy that likes one a jerk bait to float at all. And I really don't want it just to sit there and suspend because I think about it in nature, like what actually just sits there and just doesn't move. Right. You know, um, I always like my bait falling away and what's, cool about this bait is, is when you get done jerking it it's got a shimmy to it as it falls kind of like a spy bait does Ooh! so it still looks alive in the water column yeah and i feel like i feel like with the bait sinking it's still doing something when i'm not moving it especially in the colder months yeah and it's getting down there to it like and as far as rate goes that's all determined by 
how they're biting your bait on any particular day. Um, there's not one way that I could say, hey, this is the best way, this is the wrong way. A lot of it's trial and error, but like I fished that date so much that I know what I'm looking for in a particular scenario. And I start with that and then I work my way up from it. And most things you can do are you can change hooks, you can change foot rings, you can change line size. And people will tell me, well, I tested it in my tank. Here's the deal about a tank. A tank doesn't have waves. It doesn't have wind. Right. It doesn't have, you know, 50 yards of line out there, line drag. So it's all different. So what looks, so what looks like to you when you drop it in the water compared to what it does when you throw it, maybe two totally different things. But at the end of the day, it's like any other technique you got to have confidence in it to catch them on it. Yeah. And to me, my confidence level with that bait is just through the roof. Yeah. Now you talked about sinking that I'm, you were talking to us one time before about it, trying to accomplish a reverse sink, like where you're almost tail waiting the bait. Uh, is that what was happening here or was it, or is it falling horizontally? This bait was more horizontal. When, when I tail wait, I want it more to the winter time. The reason I want that is because I'll pause when I get around the fish and when I'm not getting bit, I like to give it lots of sharp jerk straight up. So I can get that bait to come up. And what will happen is with the, uh, the transfer chambers and the baits are so good. Now when you jerk it up, you get that weight to the back. So if I jerk it up through some fish, especially that I've seen on my live scope and it comes up, it shoots straight back down, tail down. And you get a lot of strikes that way. I get a lot of strikes after I give it that pop up jerk. And I do that just to get that transfer to switch back to the back to get it go down. And it's just, like I said, then again, it's still, it's just something that I have confidence in it, it. There may be more to it. There may be less to it, but I know that it works for me. Awesome. Riz, I want to send it over to our yeah. IM board. I know we've got tons of We're questions backed over up, there. Pete. We're backed up <laughs> thoroughly. What do we got? That's right, Pete. As always, the Bash University subscribers are fired up on the message board. Uh, and the first question we're going to go with here from William Selby, who just won himself a Gills Gear $25 gift card for this question, Woo. is, Hank, is there a certain angle, angle that you like to fish on your jerkbait when you're dealing with current situations? Well, um, if I'm dealing in the current situation with a jerk bait, the angle that I have to take at it is where I can make my bait make contact with that current break, wherever that is. Like when I'm on the St. Lawrence River and I'm fishing those really hard breaks, I want my jerk bait to go into the rock and come back off because I feel that that deflection is what's going to give you the bites. Okay. That's a good one. Great question. That was a good yeah. question. You want to Yep, and uh, a question from Mac Attack. Mac Attack wants to know, talk about your decision-making process when you make a decision to leave spots. Uh, you made the decision to leave the riprap near the dam on championship day after you had a great practice there. Talk a little bit about why you decided to make that move. Mm. Good um, championship Sunday, the – weather conditions were not exactly what I wanted. And I had a lot of local boat wakeboard traffic out there around the dam. Um, and from fishing long enough, it's, it becomes a crapshoot of when you stay and when you leave. And at that point, um, I was running through scenarios in my head and I had spent the majority of my time in that one section of the lake in the trees and bushes knowing there were still fish in there and the conditions just fit better to go do that 
And so I had to make myself decide. Now, I, it was a, there was a little battle going on, but I, I had to make myself, you know, look, this is the time when you want to finish second or you want to win. Yeah. And uh, so I decided, you know, it's time to go win. And that's what made me go back. I mean, you, you can't, you got to make a decision. You can't second guess and you go with it. That's a great it's place a to be in as fishing <laughs> when you're making decisions and you're not second guessing yourself yeah. at all. It, and it's we, so hard. It's yeah. easy to say. Yeah. It's incredibly hard to do. Yeah. Very difficult to get yourself into that into that frame of mind. Um, uh, next question is going to be from Get the Net, and Get the Net wants to know <laughs> talk about some of the conditions where you know it's time to put the jerk bait down. Oh, <clears throat> um, that's a good one. For me, lack of wind. A lot of heat, lack of bait fish presence. You know, that's okay. one thing that if I don't see the bait fish, I'm not throwing the jerk bait too much. It's just not in there. But I think the lack of wind, lack of bait fish, uh, combine that with a lot of heat. I think fish are going to head to other places where you'd just be better off throwing something else at them than a jerk bait. That's a that's great question, and because uh, I was wanting to know the opposite. Like, it seems like you're always looking for that bite. Right, you're always looking for a jerkbait opportunity uh, because is it is it because guys like me will never throw it in the summertime? <laughs> well, it's, you know we fish all year for points, and there are certain places and certain key things you can do throughout the year on any body of water you're on. If it sets up right and the weather conditions are right, you could pull a few fish on a jerkbait. They may not be giant fish but they might be worth eight, 10, 12 extra points. And throughout the year that adds up and you make the class. Mm. Um, but that bait, I just feel it's my comfort zone. I mean, I do other things, but I just feel like it's not going to get practiced with people aren't going to go looking for that when there's so much other obvious stuff. And all it does is just give me another, another right, another bullet in the rifle. Yeah. You know, well, I I wanted to dive into line because I learned this from watching your uh, jerkbait flow seminar on BassU.tv. guys. If you're just tuning in, it, it's it's an amazing seminar where Hank goes incredibly in depth, more so than we are right now about that. But you talk about ten the pound test, and you used to be a ten pound test guy, um, and then that's when that grand disaster happened, and that mm -hmm. changed everything as far as selecting the line. Yeah, I don't I'll, – I'll never go lighter than 12, but I usually throw 15. 15 pretty much all the time. If I'm around grass, I'll throw it on 17. Huh. I don't think the line – I don't think the line affects the bait. Um, I've got to the point now where when they hit it, I drive the hooks on them, and they're coming to the boat. You know, and I've got it in my head, especially with the jerk bait. If it's, if it's four pounds or less, I'm swinging them. If it's bigger than that, I'm going to grab it with my hand. But I've, I've done with – the playing them out and walking them around the boat and, you know, Oh God, I'll let it go. I'm just not doing that mentality anymore. It's cost me too much money, huh. too many fish. Ike, Ike lives for those moments. I live for those <laughs> moments. I love to be, I, I love to have my heart broken. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. I, and I like, I love yeah. the, uh, I love the philosophy, but tell me, so in your mind, so in my mind, and I don't do it for the drama, Brian DeCarpenter. I, <laughs> I do it. It just fits really well for you. I know it does. But it just works out. In yeah. my mind, I always was a firm believer that an extra six inches in diving depth, an extra foot, at times, can make all the difference in the world. So mm -hmm. you're telling me that you're as comfortable 
getting that bait deeper on 15 as you are with it on 10. 100%. Wow. Because if I don't think it's deep enough, there's I can change things on the bait to get it down there. Right. But I but I but then I can tell you too, I'm 100% more comfortable when I get an eight-pounder hooked on it with that 15-pound line than that right. 10. Right. <laughs> wow. No question. I, I, That's I, awesome. I watch him manhandle those fish. I mean, you just watch them. It's, you, you can tell he's not – He's not dealing with yeah. ten pound test. Yeah, now fifteen well, safer. That's oh for my sure. Gosh, yeah, yeah. You can do a lot. You can swing a lot with it. But um, I don't know about your hooks. You, you talk about the the emotional loss of that the the Grand Lake scenario, and Matt Airy fished a brilliant classic, but boy, did did he have some unfortunate fish losses mm. in this tournament. Uh, I, I'm sure you can relate. Or have you even talked about it with him? Yeah, we've talked. Um, you know, he was asking about my that big one that I lost on the jerk bait that hook, hung me up in the brush on the dam. That one that I hook in the bushes that's shaking all the bushes looks like a gorillas in there going crazy. <laughs> and then you know you saw his frog fish, and but we 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 knew before this tournament that like there were going to be lost fish. But when you're fishing that way, things are going to happen, especially around all those trees and bushes. Mm. It was very unfortunate for him, but I told him, you know, I've been where you are. And you can either let it knock you down or you can flame you fire, whichever way you want to go. And um, Matt's a great fisherman. He's going to win one sooner or later. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, he, he, he is. He's, he's a good fisherman. But it's that saying goes, like, when it's your time, you can't screw it up. Yeah. It's like getting struck by lightning. But on the bright side, Matt didn't have to do 87 crappy uh, podcasts. That's true. <laughs> you know? That's true. It oh, might no, have been better he, to come in second. He's, he's, still been, he's still been doing a lot, a lot of them. And, you know, we both joke around about it, me, me losing my voice, but I'm going to do every one that people, they call me, you know, I'm going to do it because, you know, they tell you, be careful what you wish for. This is what I've wanted my whole life, and I've got it, and I'm just going to enjoy it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Why? I, I, I want to ask you real quick, why are there so many good anglers that come out of North Carolina, mm. out of that area? Because you look at the list, it's, it's stellar. I mean, I could think of a dozen off the top of my head, just unreal anglers that are we, within an hour of where you where you live, Hank. Why is that? We know a lot a lot of us because we grew up fishing around such crappy fishing. Like you really had the like if you could catch you've been to Lake Norman, like oh, how yeah. it used to be. It's better now, but like back in the day, if you could catch eleven pounds, you know, you could yeah. do something. You yeah. go anywhere and catch one. Yeah. And we've been beating up on each other since we were all twenty years old. I mean, you could show up to a tournament and you'd have myself thrift yeah airy bone gardener yeah alton lahue i mean it just keeps going of all the guys that were around here fishing and it was just like it's like having a semi-pro tournament <laughs> i mean it's i mean crazy. Andy montgomery shane lineberg i mean at one time we could have had 15 18 guys here that were all actively fishing a professional tour and yeah. it's just um well another thing that's amazing i think that helps us is our local competition is so stiff. I still fish the winter trail here. I fish it with my son now when I can or my other partner, Jerry. And uh, those guys, they don't lay off. I mean, they're yeah. out there. They practice. They put their time in. They're there to beat you. And I think a lot of the wintertime cold water stuff, that's where I've gotten my advantage and learned most of my skills because to even try to win around here, you had to be on your top game to beat those guys. Yeah. See that, Brian De Carpenter, Fish the Winter Leagues. That's right. I, I do sometimes. Yeah, you know the, the, <laughs> that area that they're from in North Carolina, Mike. Too it, 
What's beautiful about it is that you can fish pretty much all year round. You guys don't get a ton of ice, if I'm not mistaken, right? No, we don't get we don't get a ton. But see, that's the beauty about my house, like Lake Norman. When the worse the weather, the better they bite. Right, Colder, right. So, nastier, rainier, better they bite. In in that part of North Carolina, you don't it, it's you don't get ice, but you still deal with like wintertime cold conditions in, mm-hmm. in that part of the country. Like it can still get frigid outside to where you don't feel your hands, but you can fish every damn day still. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, There's yeah. such a big part of the year where here we have crappy, we have crappy fish and we have a lot of pressure, but we can't <laughs> fish a lot of the year because the lakes are frozen down there. You can go out and fish, you can get out on the water, but you're still dealing with like those cold conditions. And uh, it's, yeah. sounds like a great yeah. place now- to be. <laughs> Now it's come along. See, from my house, you can be at uh, Jordan Lake in like two hours, which has giants, and Falls, which has giants, and Sharon Harris, which has giants. But mm-hmm. um, the problem in North Carolina is nothing has giants for long. Mm. Yeah. The, yeah. the smaller lakes had them, and they kind of come and they go. And, you know, even at Lake Norman, now wintertime tournaments take 20 pounds to win sometimes, yeah. which is unheard of. And a lot of that spotted bass, and it wasn't too long ago, they were trying to kill all them. So, yeah, there's no telling. Hmm. Why? Why is it that the big ones go away? Is there too much uh, catching and cooking going on down there? Or what's you know, I, I think COVID. I think COVID had a lot to do with that, with fishing pressure. But I think what happens is um, a lot of local guys, especially now that you've got big spot and the mixture of the spot and largemouth, they're trying to catch a fish on the bank that's out in 40, 50 foot of water chasing bait. Like if he doesn't want to be on the bank, he's not there, and then they'll get them complaining towards the end of the summer. The fishing's terrible. The fishing sucks. And then about cold front comes through October, November, and all of a sudden, boom, 19 pounds. It's good again. <laughs> but I still think you can catch a fish. You can't catch a fish shallow that wants to be out there roaming around chasing bait. Mm. It's, it, it, it's, it's a cool part of the country. I know we, we got to fish the cash and yep. rods event. Hopefully we'll get back to down. What was it? Lake Jordan we fished? Jordan, yeah. Unbelievable amount of bait in, in that lake system, Hank. I, 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 yeah. I mean, there was bait for – as soon as you start idling, your graph starts firing off bait from one side to the other. Never yeah. seen anything like it. Pocket In a that pocket, it was like you couldn't believe it. Giants. Yeah. So, my personal five best fish on a jerk bait came – they weighed 30-something, but they came out of there. Holy They're just ab- that place has got absolute giants in it. Hank, I got to circle you back around just for – just get you back on the jerk bait for one second. I need to know about your hooks, man, because if you're, if you're using 15-pound line and you're manhandling these fish – what kind of hooks are you putting on that thing to be feel good about boat flipping four pounders on a jerk bait? The same hooks that came on that come on the bait. Those number six EWG short shank fusions. Hmm. The same six. ones that come on the bait. Three I'll change. I'll, yeah, I'll change to the four occasionally, but the way we've got designed, and trust me, I did it all winter when I had it four pound spotted bass instead of worry about getting my hands cold in the water. I just flip them up on up in the boat. And what I've come to find out is on those smaller hooks on the jerk bait, which I, if I get around like Florida, those places that have those fish, those giant mouths, you know, I go to that bigger hook because I feel like I need a bigger, you know, something to get into it. Mm-hmm. But um, I've just seen it over and over again. If I, if I get a good hook up with those three sixes in there, I'm flopping them in. It takes pliers to get them out. And I'm a huge fan of the EWG style. Uh, I'm not, a huge fan of uh, round bends on a jerk bait. Why is that? 
Uh, I've just had too many of them straightened out, especially stupid smallmouth. When you get them in the gill on that side of that face and they start doing that cutting up, they'll spring them and straighten them out. I'm just not a fan. I, I just feel like if you can drive that EWG through them, you got a better chance of getting them in the boat. Yeah. I caught one actually in the classic on the third day, that big spot I caught, like that one hook, one number six had him right in there. I mean, that's a two and three quarter pound fish. That fish comes off. I told my wife that fish comes off 90% of the time. And when it got to the top and I saw it, I didn't hesitate just to swing it in the boat. And I swung it from six feet to me. How about <laughs> that? How about that? That's awesome. He's that's, in the zone, man. Yep. That's awesome. That's why, confidence. While we're talking about uh, hooks, talk about the, the rod again, Hank. I know you've told it a million times already, but action length, give it to us again. I caught him on a, the the six ten the six ten winch, uh, the yeah. moderate uh, the jerk bait rod. Yeah. It actually says jerk bait at the bottom of it. I caught him on that with a Zeta seven one to one fifteen pound Berkeley, one hundred percent fluorocarbon. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I I want to. Is it okay if I dive into something real quick, Pete? Sure. I want to talk about uh, the live scope, active target technology and. I got two questions for you. One is, how mad are you that that technology has opened up the jerkbait to other people? <laughs> are you pissed <laughs> off at Dustin Connell, Patrick Walters? <laughs> you can no. be honest. No, I'm not. I mean, okay. just, that's, that's, it's, all, it's all part of it. You have tools, <laughs> when you have those tools and you learn to use them, you take advantage of them. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was the unserious question. Serious question. I, I noticed a lot of guys will not use a jerk bait without using that technology. They go very, very hand in hand. And in the classic in particular, I noticed you used it, but you didn't, your, your head wasn't focused on it 90% of the time. You were actually fishing the bait more, being more observant. Looked like to me you were using traditional 2D more uh, mm -hmm. than that technology. Talk about that. Like I think we have people watching right now that are saying, you have to have that technology be good with the jerk bait, and I think you 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 could probably disagree with that. Yeah, when, no, been, when do you I, need I was, it? And when do you when can you leave that damn thing off and all that stuff? I was fishing a jerk bait long before this stuff. I mean, when I started, it was just a flasher and the thing. Just, so I'm not worried about. It. Um, the reason I wasn't so dependent on it at the classic, I used it for practice to see what was there. Like I use it as my you know my spotlight. I'm trying to check out what's there. I'm looking. But I don't find it as effective, especially with a jerkbait, when the fish are swimming. When they're in the cone, they're out of the cone. Now, wintertime, when they're sitting there yeah. or they're posted up beside a tree or over top of a brush pile, they are suspended. That's a fish where you can fully 100% take advantage of that live scope and hit him in the head with the bait and watch how he's reacting. Right. Now, when he's, just, when he's just cruising, I know in my head, like by the time I cast and get to him, he's going to be out of the cone. So I just need – once I know they're there – I just turn it off, so I don't waste any time chasing ghosts. Right. And I'm wow. fishing in the moment. Good point. I'm fishing. I'm fishing in the moment. I'm fishing in the moment, and to me, that's the fine line of when you need it, when you're not. I always use in practice. I would use it shooting up through trees, around bushes, off rocks, because you never know what you're going to find just sitting out here off the edge of something. Yeah. But if it's not part of my game plan and I'm not 100% using it, I turn it off. How about that? How about that? We, we've talked about that a little bit before. You know, it can be an amazing gift and tool, and it can also kill you. And there, you chasing, hear it right there. Chasing, chasing ghosts. ghosts. 
So many, so yeah. many people, because uh, that's got to be that's part of the learning process. Is yeah, you got to recognize what can be caught and what can't. What's a bass? What's not? There's a there's a big big learning curve there. I know you talk about uh, talk about that in your um, in your seminar where when you pull up on a point, you don't graph it first. You mm-hmm. you you put the trolling motor down and you approach mm. slowly. And you have to do that. You have to do that the way that I've grown up fishing around here, especially if you're near lakes with herring and owl wives and all that, because you don't know what's up there. So you start way out and you just work it. By the time you idle it and you've seen the bait and you've seen the fish there nine times out of ten, especially in the Carolinas, you idle it, they're gone when you turn around to fish anyhow. Mm. You know, and you can see a lot more. Uh, you have the eyes under the water and your eyes above the water. And that's that's the way I look at it with that thing. This is showing what's below and I'm looking up. Do I see any rings? Do I see any birds? I mean, I'm one of those guys that believes – I pay attention to where those birds are. I'm like, hey, that dude's – that bird's sitting all the way in the back of that pocket out in the water up to his chest he's probably not swimming and he's, he's eating something yeah. and whatever he's eating the, the fish are eating so i'm gonna go back there and check that out so that's just that's just the old school in me i guess yeah yeah guys what do you got oh i've got uh i've got some uh just checking out the youtube comments give a shout out to a few guys over there kyle simon uh scott uh at fishing Dude, the mighty Ken Duke is over there on YouTube making, a, making a presence. Ken, Mr. Duke. Yeah, throwing his brain around, you know. What I mean? Brain. <laughs> uh, Scott, uh, he's all over there on, on YouTube, says, Hank, talk about a conversation you recently had about the importance of turning your electronics off in shallow water to get rid of the ping and ding and all that ruckus. Um, I, I will. I don't hesitate. You know, um, I turn them off shallow and, and – what I never thought about turning off was like in that eight, nine foot range until I was boat to boat beside Brian and new on Lake Gunnersville, the second day of our tournament there. And, um, this past, but not too long ago. And he pulls up, I'm already on the spot and he's off to the left and I know I'm on the goods and I'm shining it and I'm casting. I'm like, damn, I'm not getting a bite and a hair splash. Boom. He's catching them. And then Brian goes, proceed to catch like 15, 25 yards from me. And I was, I was, he was like, dude, you got better turn off all your electronics. By that time, I was so pissed. I was like, I'm just going to go this way. You can have it. I give. Wave the flag. <laughs> um, but down there around those bushes, like I said, with the pressure and the boats going in and out of them, I thought a lot of the time it was pretty important not to have everything pinging. I know a lot of guys get up and fish, and they don't put their back units to sleep, and they've got all this noise going on. I mean, like, that's the first thing I do. That back one, when I get up, it's going to bed. I want it off. I don't want anything extra. Um, and, you know, I just think sometimes it can make a difference, just like sometimes a hydrowave can make a difference. Sometimes it doesn't matter. They're not going to bite, and sometimes they'll eat anything you throw. They're yeah. fish. They're not that smart, but sometimes they get a little picky. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want you back-to-back classics. I, if Mr. Duke, if you're still listening, how many people have won back-to-back classics? Not a lot. It's got to be just a few. Four. Four? Four is right. Clun. Kevin. Uh, Jay Lee. And Kevin. You, and who's the, who's the fourth? Kevin. 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 Van Dam. There yeah. you go. That makes sense. It's very difficult. Oh, wait. I've, I've been told that like a thousand times in the past week. <laughs> what do you got, BTC? Oh, uh, Hank is now fourth all time in classic money. That's awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, dude, all time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, of course, Rick Klein won $10,000 when he won his first five. <laughs> 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 That's true. It's an outstanding point. That's true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, who are the uh, top three? And uh, that will be – do we have another Gills card? Yes. Who are the uh, top three all-time classic money winners? Okay. All right. Guys, the, the uh, question for the second Gills Gear gift card tonight is, who are the top three uh, all-time Bassmaster classic winners in money? Who are they? I'm wondering, being from North Carolina um, and and winning classics, how important is it to be named Hank? Hmm. I don't know. There's <laughs> four four trophies here now. Four Hanks, four trophies. No. North Carolina. Four tro just the, just the two Hanks, but four trophies. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, if you're in North Carolina, you might want to change your nickname to Hank. Yeah. Everybody's changing their name. Might get you in the winner circle. But I Hank, one of the things that I, I I love about watching you is your your mental approach to it. And you've got so many uh you know things that I've heard you say that uh, that are I think really cool uh, about the the luck. You talk about, you know, that it's not a real thing and but you you pulled out your PMA bracelet that you wear. Uh, mm -hmm. and and G gives, uh, you know, that positive mental attitude seminar at Bash U and others, and, and you wear it. There it is. There it is right there, yeah. man. Uh, the, you you know in tournament fishing, man, you're going to go through those peaks and valleys. And uh, how, how has that helped you in your fishing? Uh, it's, it's helped me tremendously, man. I, I, my scenario, my journey to get here has been to everybody else. Um, you know, I've been to where – I didn't know how I was going to pay the light bills back when I was trying to do this. And now I've been to the tops and I've been everywhere in between. And, um, you just, I just believe firmly that every morning you wake up, every person has one decision to make one choice in life. And that's how you choose to react to life. You can let it bring you down or you can make the best of it. It's how you choose to act to it. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, it's a great outlook. It's a tremendous outlook, and it's it's why you're a champion. and And I want to give you big kudos on your your uh, your speech when you won, and you know how you brought the family together, and and uh, and and brought those positive wishes for all of our friend Aaron Martin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. At that time, that was a huge moment for you, and and you were selfless in that moment. And I can't tell you how much that personally meant yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah, that was that was big. That was big. Yeah, he's a like I said, he's a he's a one of a kind. He's in, he's like in my top three, top four all time, and it's just a you know every everybody just could use a little bit of thought and prayer every once in a while, and he's always done it the right way. I thought, and uh, I just thought it wasn't planned. It just started coming, and I just let it there. It came out, and um, I hope that he appreciated it, but at the same time, I just really, truly wanted people just to send some thoughts and prayers to his family. Yeah, and and they did. The whole bass fishing world did, and thanks to you. And uh, and uh, we we're still sending our thoughts and prayers out for the for Aaron and his family. Yeah. And uh, Hank, man, I I appreciate it. Uh, you coming? I know this is what is it, interview number 86? 80, 87 or 8? <laughs> 88, 88, 89, 89 in about three hours. Yeah, West Coast time. One. Yeah. Uh, Hank, good luck in the next couple events, too. And uh, can't wait to talk to you on Ike Live. I promise we won't have any fishing questions on Ike Live. There'll be no technique, there'll be no bait, no lure. 
It'll all be new on Ike Live. I That's promise. a week from tomorrow. Ooh. A week from tomorrow. Yeah. I promise you. Yeah. So we really appreciate you coming on BU tonight, Hank. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Hank. Have yes. a great night. Two Hank time, Jerry. Two-time classic champ, Two-time. Not amazing. one. Two. Do. Do way. Yes. Yes. Poopalame. 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 Giacomo. We need to talk to that oh, guy, yeah. too, man. He what, was hype, man. What a fireball. What a hype Italian. I yeah. like it. Yeah. It was great. I uh, I invited him up here. I figured because you're Italian. I invite just, him up. Uh, it's like you know, you guys just do that. I gotta tell it's funny. <laughs> Come I gotta break bread, you know. I know this is just be you and not Ike Live, and I shouldn't tell these stories, but I have to tell this one. So I was watching it because I I was actually into that one. I'm yeah. normally not into the FLW coverage as much, but I like that one. I was watching it, and Ve- uh, Vegas was poolside and Stella, and I'm watching it. I got sitting there like this, and he's dirt. He's on camera, and he's talking and he's getting excited he catches when he's talking and vegas not even looking he's on the other side of the table and he goes dracula catching fish <laughs> dracula <laughs> yeah <laughs> is that dracula <laughs> catching fish that's yeah. funny because yeah. the guy from mullick sounded like yeah. yeah what was his name stefano yeah stefano uh, i was like well, yeah, uh, not, uh, yeah. Uh. Vegas. Vegas wasn't up. Dracula was catching yeah. them. They kind of, it sounded like you yeah. close your eyes, you could you could see that. Yeah, you know? that's you awesome. Could. It was fun watching them, man. Yeah, I, he was I, I wanted to get, I wanted to keep them fishing though. He kept talking to the camera. Oh yeah, you were mad at that. I was yeah. mad. I'm like, man, you got to get that bait back in the water, man. <laughs> but he managed to catch 20 pounds without he listening did. to me, uh-huh. <laughs> dominating that tournament. Did it, 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 was, it was spectacular, and I, I thought it was a really cool coverage seeing those guys fish the or old stomping grounds. Yeah, a lot of old spots there. Yeah, yeah. that we had we had caught fish yeah. off of the that section of the river that yeah. hasn't dominated for 15 yeah, years. That was cool, and it it killed that it was tournament. Very cool. You know, the branding's killing me, though. The brandy? Yeah, the branding. It can't be MLF. MLF is the big tour. Even though it's supposed to be the BBT, that's really, it's MLF. Yeah. Never says MLF, it's MLF on this, and then it's MLF on the the other series step down from that. Yeah. Yeah. Just just call it the Tackle Warehouse Tour. Something. That's the way to do it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's our boys at Tackle Warehouse would, uh, would love that, and it's, uh, there's a title sponsor over there, so that's easy to track it over there. TW, Rocket yeah, yeah. TWT yes. tonight, by the way. What's yeah. up? Shout yeah. out to Corey's. Shout out to Corey's. Yeah. yeah. We've got a, cool, uh, we've got sent, a cool tackle warehouse piece tonight. Yeah, he sent me. I got a swim bait in the mail from him today. Is that right? Yeah, it was his peace offering for uh, getting one eaten by a muskie when I took him fishing. <laughs> 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 $150. Gone. <laughs> like, uh, it was an S waiver. Uh, it was an S waiver. They uh, get bit, though, man. Uh, Stop. S waiver. Yeah. Kidding me, dude? Junk. Brian, what do we got on the agenda? We're going to take a break? Yeah, We're gonna... take, let's take a break. A... Okay, take we'll take a break. break. We'll come back. We're going to talk to some people on the IM board, handle uh, some other bass you stuff, talk about some some more bass fishing. We're going to take a uh, quick break here. We'll be right back. This, that, the third. Bash you lot. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network, products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together, the One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, 
they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Tackle Warehouse is proud to sponsor the FLW Pro Circuit and is the official tackle retailer of FLW. Providing proven bass fishing gear as well as the newest and hottest tackle. Our friendly and knowledgeable customer service staff can help you every step of the way. And we offer free ground shipping on orders over $50. Tackle Warehouse. Everything for the bass angler at the lowest prices. Guaranteed. I have to be constantly on the lookout for new techniques to stay on the top of my game. Giant. Some have been more Giant. successful oh God, than others. Giant. The finesse fingernail. Happens every time. The chain gang. Oh ah, broke it off. The crow's nest. Never let go. And don't even get me started on tackle management, especially trying to stop rust and corrosion. Peanut butter. Hmm, I could. Motor oil. Gotta keep the rust off all these baits. WD-40. Gotta keep the rust off. Silica, toothpicks, Q-tips, the list goes on and on. I'm hard on tackle, I fish fast, I need my tackle organized and protected. I can't be worrying about losing baits to rust. And when it comes to tackle management, there's only one solution. Flambo Tackle Storage Systems with Z-Rust Technology. The original anti-rust tackle box. Uncompromised clarity. Renowned durability. The infused anti-rust option that is FDA safe and free of harmful chemicals. The organization options are endless, but there's only one. One box, one anti-corrosion technology, one family-owned American-made brand, Flambo. Z-Rust Tackle Solutions. Preserve, perform, repeat. <laughs>